blame him for that. I was you can the one blaming him with that. Austin Matthews, very good two-way forward. Nobody's saying Carson wants us to go. Oh, your team sucks, Parker. Pick one. And before Miami fan over here starts talking, blasphemous. <laughs> and I'll tell you why. What's that tell you? He's terrible. I'm not out here saying Tom Brady's bad. Yeah, you are. Listen, Gary. <laughs> I'm saying pick it. What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Daft Picks from home. Alongside me today, I have Parker, as always. Hello. And, well, maybe some good news to start the show. We don't know how much longer we'll be doing it from home, but, um, yeah, things are starting to improve a little bit, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I think I still have access to the radio studio until I have to turn in my key. Probably do that at the end of the summer. Yeah, I'd like us to get at least one more show in there, like a goodbye show, maybe have a couple people come in. Obviously, can't have everybody, but uh, we'd like to have a couple people who came in studio to bid it farewell. But yeah, that is the start of the show. We got some news today. Not a ton of sporting news, but it is nice to have sports back. Obviously, we have hockey coming back very soon. We already discussed the hub cities, but did you see that Vegas is basically confirmed to be a hub city? Yeah, so Vegas is going to be for the West, I assume. So the East is still up for grabs. I think maybe Chicago could be a good option for the East. You know, Chicago would work, and I know the mayor, uh, Lori Lightfoot, I think it's her name. She said that she wants it to be. I did see today, uh, I didn't, okay, I follow one of those hockey websites. It's like an offshoot of like reporting news, but they always cite the people who that they like take it from. It said on this site, Chris Johnson reported that Toronto could be a potential city for the Western Conference. So are they doing the East plays in the West and the West plays in the East for like parody? I have no idea, but I feel that, like yeah, it makes sense. Yeah, I, I kind of feel like they're holding out so that they could get Toronto to be the other city. I mean, is there anything really wrong with that, though? Like, I feel like out of all the places, you'd pick Toronto to be, like, a, a hub, right? Well, it depends on, first off, how safe it is to play there. I mean, that's a huge metropolitan area. But I mean, I guess, like, the league's looking for, at least... For uh, part of the reasonings behind who they were going to pick the hub cities, it's going to be behind ratings, what's going to generate the most revenue, especially considering the whole pandemic going on. And the two hub cities that can make the most revenue would be Toronto and maybe Vegas, because Vegas, they're still the brand new NHL team, and they've been giving the league a lot of revenue since they've come in. And Toronto's you know, the center of hockey, essentially. I mean, also don't forget, Vegas is Vegas, so people are going to be going there regardless, mm -hmm. you know? Although I um, think from, like, a rating standpoint, Chicago wouldn't be bad either because it's an original six team, uh, original I mean, six city, I should say. Yeah, I mean, you get fans there. But obviously it's no Toronto. No, Toronto's the, you know, the media market. That in Montreal, but we're not playing playoff games in Montreal, so. So... I mean, right now we're kind of at a standstill. I know we're talking about, we talked about the draft and stuff. We kind of covered what was going on in the NHL. But perhaps what's more interesting is what's going on in the MLB. Do we want to start with the draft or do we want to start with the bargaining agreement? Yeah, let's start with the draft. So because of the pandemic and because of the minor league cuts, the draft this year went from, what was the original number of rounds? Like 40? It's, it's like... like yeah, 40 round MLB draft, yeah. Yeah, it so it went from 40 to 5. Right. Well, do you want to start with the first round and we'll start through the top 10 picks? Mm-hmm. All right, so we'll start with, obviously, number one, <clears throat> the Tigers. 
Tigers were terrible last year. Yeah, they but were pretty bad. Although I personally thought the Orioles were worse than them just on their pitching alone. So the first pick was Spencer Torkelson, who was a literal no-brainer. If they didn't pick Spencer Torkelson, they would have been dumb. So I don't really know that much about the MLB prospects, but what makes Spencer Torkelson so good? You think, like, what made him, like, consensus number one, in your opinion? Well, he's got a well-rounded bat. I think he's got... No, I didn't watch a ton of stuff on him, because I know in terms of prospects that are hyped, he was pretty hyped up. I think what made him so good is his well-rounded bat. He's got good speed, at least around the base paths right now. And I don't know if you call... I guess you could call him a 5 soul player. I mean, typically when you see a first baseman take a first overall, they have to be. I mean, they're not ever really going to be that fast. So he's not, I don't think he's really a burner, but he's going to be fast enough to handle himself on the bases. And I don't know, I don't think he'll be an impact right away, but give him a year or two. All right, number two was Heston Kerstad right, and this Arkansas. Is... And I read somewhere that this was a reach considering a lot of people had Austin Martin really high. Right, yeah, I don't. I didn't understand this one. Uh, Kirstad, I had heard good things about, but the thing with him is he's not really ready anytime soon, and the Orioles need somebody who's ready now. And there were a couple players who we're going to get to on this list who are going to be ready in the next couple of years, and it's not Kirstad. And not to mention, he's also not really... Uh, he's more. I feel like he's more of a safe pick more than a boomer bust pick, which is typically what you should be going for, that high value. Right. The next one, Max Meyer for the Marlins. This is a terrible pick. Just a bad pick. And I'm using Bleacher Report for their gradings. But he's not really... He wasn't even the best pitcher available. He wasn't even the second best pitcher available, I don't think. And they really don't need him. The Marlins need somebody to hit the ball. Because there's so many pitchers that they could have gone out and gotten that could have made them a contender, or at very least not the bottom of the league. And they didn't. So I'm not really sure what the pick was here. Right, and it's also kind of a slap in the face because the very next pick... Asa Lacey, was, wasn't he the best pitcher in the draft? No, I don't believe so. I mean, if we're, we're going to move on here to the Royals, I'll be honest with you, I don't know too much about Asa Lacey. However, he was not my pick, or, nor, I don't think he was a consensus number one either. We'll get to the consensus one, but what do you think about this pick? I like it. I feel like the Royals need some more pitching. I feel like, I can't really remember the rotation off the top of their head, but I don't remember it being like super good. It was, it was pretty bad. Definitely doesn't hurt. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a good pick. It's definitely better than the, the Marlins pick, that's for sure. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have picked it personally, but moving on, this is what I think was the best pick in the draft. Because Torkelson was the, you know, the home run hit, pun intended. But Austin Martin, I think he's got probably the most hype out of a shortstop that I've seen in the past couple of years. The last one I, I remember seeing that was like this hype was Royce Lewis. And even he wasn't as hyped up. Austin Martin's just got great everything. And the Blue Jays are kind of silently building a good team. What could be a very good team. Well, they're probably going to lose somebody down the line. But I think if you have Vlad Guerrero, Bo Bichette, and then either one of Biggio or Martin, you're fine. So if they have Biggio going, fine. And then when it's pretty clear that out of the three of Biggio, Guerrero, and um, Bichette, you're going to like Biggio go probably. I think Martin slides right in. Moving right along. Now, this is my pitcher that I liked, and I think the Mariners going to steal with Emerson Hancock. He's got great speed. I think he can touch 100 right now. I'm not positive, but I know he's got good, like, makeup. The only thing that I think he has to get, like, down is his control. 
Well, that's any pitcher usually. Yeah, a lot of pitchers coming straight out of college or high school, for that matter, they they're not going to have that down. It's going to be very rare if they have that down. There's a lot of MLB pitchers that still don't have that down. Yeah, no, you're you're not wrong. It's normal. Moving to the Pirates now, I know that they got a good grade from BR on this one. I actually don't like this pick. I don't think Nick Gonzalez, he's a good player, but I don't think that he is a pick the Pirates needed. They need so much more than a shortstop right now. Yeah, it looks like his main thing is just his bat. I mean, he's got speed, but he's not your prototypical shortstop. I don't think he offers that that high average or even, I mean, he'll give you a good average, but he's not going to offer you the high average with high steals. I think he'll basically be more of a utility man, more than anything. But he'll be a high-end utility man. I mean, you have great players like that, like in Dalton Simmons. I don't think he projects to be that, but, you know. Moving along, Robert Hassel for San Diego. The problem for this pick for me is, and we're going to get to this with the Red Sox pick, but I think the problem with picking high school players, if they're in the outfield, is they're just so underdeveloped. So this is just really a dart at the wall. It could be good, it could be nothing. Yeah, I don't really have an opinion on this one. Yeah, I, like I said, it's hard to tell right away like what he's going to do in the majors. Now, our next pick, we have Zach Veen for Colorado, which I think this is a good pick. They always seem to draft good outfielders, you know, Charlie Blackman, Jordan Parra, Carlos you know, Cargo. Like, they always seem to get good players. And I think it never hurts to add another one if you can. So the next one we have is... Reed Detmers. Now, I'm going to let you give your analysis first because I have a thought on this one. Let's see here. He's coming from Louisville. Last two top five picks that came from there were Corey Ray in 2016 and Brendan McKay. Let's see here. 1.23 ERA. I think he doesn't look bad. I'm not really sure how to evaluate pitching prospects, though, if I'm being honest. So I normally just look at, like, the ERA and just see, like, it's not just, like, ballooned up. Okay, with this pick, I think the Angels got the best pick for them in the draft. So I look at how teams have a fit and players that fit a certain style. I don't think there's anybody who fits the West Coast better than Reed Detmers. I'm not a huge fan of his personally. I think he's a good player and a good pitcher. But I think he's got some really big Achilles heels. Like, I think he's going to hit hard if he's playing in the East. But on the West Coast there, in, a, in the AL, I think he'll be just fine. And I like his power, you know, on the mound i think he's got good speed and he's got really good like the difference between speed and velocity is that velocity is what's going to carry him and i don't see him being a guy who's going to wear out his arm very soon so i really like that fit for them and i think he slots in really really nice behind i mean depending on shohei itani who their pitching staff is but i think they have a really good pitching staff they're building so what do you mean by he will fit well in the west coast as opposed to the east all right so in the east if you're in the al in the east you got to face now the Blue Jays with all their power. The Yankees at Yankee Stadium with a short porch. The Red Sox at Fenway. And if you have to play those teams, and then you might have to even play Houston very often, but in that AL, it's not the AL West, it's a little bit easier. I'm not going to say it's an easy division because it's not, but there's a lot less variances. Like if you notice the AL East teams, they all have something about their stadiums, like Fenway Park and Yankee Stadium, both notorious for power hitters, right? So, you don't really have that out there in the AL West. I couldn't, off the top of my head, I don't know who's in their division, but I know it's not the Yankees or the Red Sox or Blue Jays, who all have stadiums that are kind of built weird. Yeah, no, so, not only that, but like the AL East teams, they're all more or monsters. less solid, besides the yeah. Orioles. Yeah. 
It's like so you, you have four teams in that division alone that could make the playoffs. Right, and that's why I'm saying like I don't really see them. I think he's a good fit for them too because it's just some pitchers are meant for warm weather. I mean, he played at Louisville. You, if you, I mean, listen, you play your entire college ball in a warm weather environment. It's going to be easier to adjust to California than it would be to adjust to Toronto, New York winners, Boston winners, hey, Northeast winners. And I mean, that's there's a bunch of divisions you could say that about. I mean, the NL Central is no joke either, especially with them. But you got to take all that into account, you know? Yep. So that's their top 10. Now, there's a couple picks we're going to go through. I'm going to, do you want me just to give you some that I think were kind of weird? Yeah. All right, I'm going to toss you a few names. First of all, we're going to start with, I think, what was the worst pick in the first round. Maybe the worst pick of the draft, because let's be honest, the first round is where you need to, to ace it. And do you know who that is? That would be Nick York for the Austin Red Sox. <laughs> there, As there if the Red is, Sox couldn't get any more slammed. Keith Law had it in his, I believe it was his athletic article this past week, when he did his valuations of the first round. And he basically said, Nick York wasn't in the top 100 players for baseball. And he didn't really evaluate the high school player because you don't typically evaluate high school second baseman like that because you don't see them picked. So there's no point. So it's really, 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 they must have had something in their scouting department telling them he was their pick because there's so many good players that came behind him and above him that they could have easily made a good pick out of. It's not even like it's a maybe pick. There's not even a fit there because... They, I mean, they have so many players that are ahead of him, too. I really don't see the need here in the first round for their second baseman, especially when they can... I mean, he's at least three, four years away. You're not going to see him until 2024, probably. I mean, he's, not, he's literally not ready, and we're not sure... I mean, the thing is, too, a lot of those players can commit to colleges. They might just end up wasting a first-round pick. Now, I don't know much about him. going to commit to the Red Sox or if he's going to go to the university, but it just seems like a terrible pick. The article that I'm reading doesn't even really say that much on him. It's just like he doesn't have the power required to stand out at either second or third base. He might not be more than just a bench type. Yeah, and you don't draft bench players in the first round. That's like a round, you know, 10 and onward thing where you start drafting for utility. So another pick. So that was we're going to kind of go in order top to bottom here. So that was the worst pick in my personal opinion. That was uh, pick number 17, by the way. Yeah, all the picks before that, aside from the Phillies pick, which I didn't really like the Phillies pick of Nick Abel, but he's got some good power, and he's got time to develop. They don't really need him right now, and if he ends up being, which I think he'll end up being a reliever down the line, I really don't see him sticking as a starter. I think he's got a future there. As maybe not even a closer, but like a setup man, maybe like an Andrew Miller, Adam Adovino, something like that. So there's a couple picks here that are, I mean, obviously a little picks are going to be good. I really like Cade Cavalli for Washington. I think that's a good pickup by them. He's a good pitcher. He's well-rounded. He's not going to blow you away, although he does have really, really, really good velocity that he could tune up. I don't think he's going to blow you away talent-wise, though. He's more a solid arm. I mean, you, you can't really go wrong with that. Honestly, like, it doesn't hurt to get a deep rotation. Right. There's only two more picks I wanted to go over, and they're actually the last two picks in the draft. So I'll give you a couple teams that I thought did well. I think the Rays did really well at 24, getting, getting a pitcher, Nick Bitsko. Yeah, I, I was, the, yeah, I was just about to ask about our teams. I think the Athletics getting Tyler Soderstrom, that was a really good pickup. And just to double back really quickly, I actually liked the Bryce Jarvis pick. That was actually one of my 
I, I really like Jarvis getting picked up by the Diamondbacks. However, he's a long ways away. So I don't really think, and I don't mean that like ETA-wise, but I think he's going to be a work in progress. But I think he'll be really good for them. I think he's top of the line, maybe right behind Robbie Ray. But the two picks here at the end of the draft, Austin Wells for the Yankees. Real quickly, my only thing with, I think it's a good pick. I don't understand the pick necessarily because he's not going to stay a catcher. That's all I've heard so far is that he's absolutely too big for the position. And stop me if you've heard this before, a Yankees catcher who has good power can pull the field but can't stop the ball behind the plate. Doesn't that sound like what we already have? Gary Sanchez? Yeah. So here's <laughs> my thing is they're already talking about moving Sanchez to first base, which that's fine. We've had a franchise full of terrible first basemen defensively who can hit. Mark Teixeira, Jason Giambi. But I think it's just a bit of a weird pick. But it's the 28th pick. It's fine. And the Dodgers, this is a really good value pick. He's not going to be a stud, but he can absolutely be somebody in your lineup. And if you don't like him there, you put him in the middle of the rotation. I think Bobby Miller has two, three potential. Maybe more so three. I don't think you... Especially... He'll be there when Kershaw's there, most likely, but not for long. You know what I mean? That's basically it. So who was your favorite pick in the draft? I'm going to be honest. Mine's probably going to be Austin Martin, just for value. I mean, the Blue Jays being able to get him at five when he was should have gone top two, I think, was a steal. Absolutely. That would probably be my, yeah. that would be my pick. Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of everybody's pick. So, like, Austin Martin, he's just... He's, yeah. there's an argument to be made that he's the best player of the draft, but it's very rare that the best player gets taken in baseball. I mean, Mike Trout was, what, seventh? So. Yeah, Mike Trout was not first. That's not for sure. first. Derek Jeter, not first. Notably, most players, not first. I think baseball is the biggest, like, roll of the dice in any sport because the first overall picks are usually, like, the highest potential, but very rarely do they actually pan out. In terms of, like, success rate, I mean, you look at the NHL, the NBA, the NFL. I think the NBA is a little bit of a roll of the dice, too. But the NHL and NFL, they're typically, like, spot on with their first overall picks. Their turnover rate is pretty low. However, the MLB, MLB is the only league where you find guys in, in round six and that are better than them. All right, uh, I just looked it up. Mike Trout was number 25. 25? Right. Yeah, uh, Mike Menor was number seven. Oh, the pitcher? Yep. Who was the first overall pick that year? Steven Strasburg. Okay, maybe maybe you are going to be okay with Steven Strasburg. <laughs> I remember the one year, I think the pitcher was Mark Appel. I think he was the first overall pick. Who? Yeah. I think he got picked ahead of both Scherzer and Baumgartner. Yuck. <laughs> so we had some fun with the draft. Now so let's get the were, there, were there any like picks in the later rounds that you liked? Quite honestly... If this was the NHL draft or even the NFL draft and you asked me to do that, I could. But the MLB draft, the thing is, it's like you have so many darts you're throwing at the wall when you're picking like a later round player. Even though they're only five rounds, I still think you're really not able to tell the difference between a guy in the second round and a guy in the fourth round. You know what I mean? Right. I honestly, I'm not really a big baseball scouting guy because it's not really worth it. So, if I may plug a book, Keith Law's Smart Baseball is good if you like that kind of thing. It's a really good read, and if you are into baseball drafts, he talks about a lot of what goes into drafting and analytically what they're looking at now. But, um, yeah, I'm not really a big scouting guy. I'm more of a wait-and-see pipeline kind of guy. Right. So, um, before we shift off, <laughs> I just have a few questions to ask, just because, like, 
just so I can sort of like understand it a little bit more. Because I'm because yeah. I'm still trying to learn a lot about baseball. So I know we were talking about this yesterday, but what makes catchers uh, right. really covered in a draft? Like I know with this year, the first catcher was Patrick Bailey, and he went 13th. But like right. last year. Adley Rutschman went first overall. Then the year before that, Joey Bart went second overall. All right. So, and I'll tell you why. So let's take it. We'll start with both of those players. So Joey Bart with the Giants. He's really widely regarded as the heir to Buster Posey. You look at Buster Posey, who he himself was a very high pick. Now, with catchers, you have to keep in mind, there's, either, there's two really big occurrences. Kind of put them in line with pitchers, because pitchers and catchers both are not set in stone. A pitcher could be a starter, a reliever, a middle pitcher, whatever you need them to be. A catcher, because they're typically the best game caller, they've got a good baseball sense. So that's number one. That's why you take a catch. So you've heard of the five tools, which is like speed, hitting, power, fielding, and uh, I think it's running. I can't remember. I always forget the last one. Basically, they have, they're, they're, you basically bore about three of those. Typically, running's not one of them. So the big thing with catchers is that you have that brain. They should be able to know the whole field. They typically have the best arm because they have to be able to throw the ball the most distance, typically, or at least the most accurate arm. And you know you're getting a power bat because catchers are very rarely contact hitters. So that's why there's appeal. Now the thing with Joey Bart was he's basically all of that. He's a game controller. He's got, he's got good enough speed for a catcher. You know, you think of like uh, Ramuto now. Kind of like him, really good overall player. Adley Rushman, for all of the purposes, was the best player in his draft class. And him playing catcher, the Orioles need somebody who can call the game. And it's very rare, okay, that you get a catcher who is defensively ready. So right now, who do you think is the worst, like, good catcher in baseball? I'll ask you that. I'll give you a hint. He's on my team. Gary Sanchez? You would say that Gary Sanchez is the best pound-for-pound power bat behind the plate, right? Yeah, but I know from having him on my fantasy team on occasion that his batting average is really bad. So that's the thing. Catchers don't really hit for conduct. They're slow. So on top of already maybe not, because they're most of the time their power, like I said, they're going to strike out a ton. But also, they're not very fast, and typically they don't, they don't have legs because that's how position is. It wears out your legs. So they're not going to run out ground balls. That's why their average sucks. Typically, that's a very broad paintbrush. The thing is, Adley Rushman doesn't. He's already a field general, which is what you call those kind of cats. Guys behind the plate who can call the game and manage it. You covet that. He's got great power, great contact, great... He's got good speed for a catcher. He's got good speed for any player. And he's got the fielding on top of all that. So he's going to come into the Orioles lineup and basically be their best player, potentially. I mean, it's hard to do all that but he can do it. That's why you take him for still overall. Now, in the case of taking a catcher who's not the best player in the draft, but still a high pick, the reasoning is all those things I just said. However, a lot of times catchers are what I like to call undercover first basemen. There are a ton of catchers who can versatilely play first base. Some can play outfield with their arm. Not all of them. You look at, like, Salvador Perez. Salvador Perez is not the best catcher in baseball. He is up there. He's not the best power guy. He's not the best contact guy. And he's not necessarily the best game caller. You'd say he's probably top five in all of those categories, right? Right. So pair that. That's what you're looking at with Adley Rushman. So if I told you that your team drafted Salvador Perez, but better, 
you'd probably take that first overall, right? Mm-hmm. That's the mantra. And to break this down just a tad bit more, it's sort of like taking a goalie in the NHL. Typically, goalies don't go first overall. The last goalie that went first overall was Martin Fleury in 2003. However, if they're good enough, you take them because you should always take the best available player. And it's kind of like that. Goalies and catchers are a lot alike in many ways. But typically, it's you would take a goalie wherever you think. Like, we talked about your Askarov this year. You're going to take him in the top 10 probably because he's got such potential. So what it boils down to in an oversimplified form is, are they the best potential player? And if your team thinks that they can get the most out of them, even if it's not behind the plate long term, you take them. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Another question yep. I have about that is, like, why do the Giants grab Patrick Bailey when they already have Joey Bart? Well, okay, again, it comes down to best available player. They might see something of Bailey, like I said, they might not put him long-term behind the plate. And you also have to remember, with baseball, there's the thing about wherever you draft the players, how much money they get. So the higher the draft pick, the more money they're going to get. Right. They don't know. I mean, you never know how much money Joey Bart's going to command. They don't know if he's going to pan out. You never know. So it's never bad to draft and double up, which is why I wasn't so hard on the Red Sox for taking a second baseman because they have depth, but they need and You get the picture. Depth is good. I'm not huge on them drafting, like you said, a second catcher when they took a catcher who is widely considered, the, I think, the best catching prospect in baseball just two years ago. But if they think that's what they need, maybe they... Now, I have seen some people check Joey Barr to be a first baseman. I don't see that. I don't really see him switching. I think he's better off behind the plate as Buster Posey's there. That's why maybe they took him. Maybe they, maybe they see that. So it's hard to say. Okay. Another question I have is... Why do teams draft high school players? Uh, so it kind of comes down to there's not always a ton of great college prospects because typically if you declare for college, it typically means you're not the highest value because a lot of times it's really, hard to, it's really hard to explain. Basically, if you are the best player in your field, you should be going as soon as you are MLB eligible. However, it doesn't always work that way. So sometimes guys miss the mark. Sometimes guys are overhyped. And a lot of it, honestly, and we talked about a lot of this on the last show when we talked about like, you know, racial bias and stuff like that. But a lot of it comes down to viewership. You'll see a lot of big name colleges. You see a lot of Louisville, a lot for colleges. But like, you'll see a lot of like big name schools that are picked. And then like a rural school in the middle of nowhere isn't going to get seen. You know what I mean? It's really. It's really complicated to explain, honestly. It's honestly tough to put in the words. It's basically, hey, we think this guy is good. We think our scouts are better than yours. Does that make sense? Yeah. And uh, I noticed after the end of the first round before the second, there's this thing called the competitive balance round A for picks 30 through 37. What the hell is that? I've never heard of that before. So, what, the competitive balance? Yeah. So... Basically, it's to ensure that teams that get players... Uh, okay, this is another thing that's hard to explain. I Basically, there's more to it, but... Um, okay, so Garrett Cole got signed by the Yankees, right? Right. So, because he was something with his contract, I guess he was under team control or something, but he wasn't... He didn't have the... There's so much in the MLB language that is hard to explain, but it's basically like... <laughs> hey, you took our player, so you owe us because he was a free agent, so we need compensation. It's basically compensatory. 
And there are compensatory picks. Uh, and that's all like the Rule 5 draft, which if you do you know what the Rule 5 draft is? No. It's basically compensatory picks, and you get to pick players. So Aaron Judge, I believe, was a Rule 5 draft pick, but he wasn't. It, and it, you'd have to... It's so convoluted. Like, it's basically like to make sure that teams that are bad and don't have enough money can compete. It's to keep parity. Because a lot of times you'll hear how the NHL and the NBA are so like parodied off like they're so like all the teams are pretty close even the bad teams compete right the mlb bad teams suck good teams win 100 games right right <laughs> so that's all it is essentiality is it's hey marlins who are bad at baseball we don't want you to fold your franchise or have no fans at the game so here's some picks that maybe you can use to supplement yourself there's way, 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 way more to it. There's a lot of stuff written in contracts about players and managers who command compensatory picks and what affects the competitive balance. I'm giving you a very, not even surface level, but a, a very surface level explanation. that Because I, I don't even fully understand it. Because ain't nobody in baseball that fully understands it except like Keith Law and a bunch of the reporters. So, <laughs> Okay. Yeah, I was just curious I saw that and I'm like, huh? And... Here's the last question. What do you think is going to happen to the prospects that were originally going to be in, like, the next 35 rounds? Like, are so, they going to be, like, undrafted free agents? Are they going to just try to wait for next year's draft? Okay, so here's the thing. People are a bit up in arms because a bunch of players didn't get a chance to get drafted. And that's true. And I know one of them, I can't remember who it was that said it. There was a player who said Dominican Republic got, got screwed because the players don't get to get seen. All right, that is true. However, it's also verifiably false. Because, A, there's a draft next year. They can always enter. There's, and if they're, a lot of those players are in college. And if they're in college, there's no guarantee they sign anyways. And if they're a good enough player, when they get off their college contract, what do you think is going to happen? The teams that scouted them aren't just going to go, well, you're not draft eligible, so we're not going to sign you. No, they're going to sign them. If you take any team with the worst scouting department, the Marlins, and you give them... $100 million and say, here, go look at film reel with your scouting department and pick players off the streets that you thought were good before the draft. They're going to do it. A good comparison was the undrafted free agents. Now, I'm sure there might be some compensation for teams and, and, and some way for them to get better scouting because five rounds, let's be honest, really sucked. But also, do we need 40 rounds of a draft? I get it. Listen, I, I do. I get that there's a lot of players in baseball. There's a lot of players in football. They start off with 70 men on the roster. Baseball, you start off with like 55. You don't need 40. 40 times 30 is what? Like 7,000 like 7, or something like that? Well, that's probably not it. That's probably not accurate. Well, oh, well yeah, that's not accurate. <laughs> but listen, I didn't say I was mad. 40 times 70 is like. 2800 like not even like <laughs> all right so we'll say like 2000 like 2001 do you need 2000 new players every year and well, how many of those players are the best of the best well i mean it's not just like mlb you're also talking about like uh, AAA, single a double a triple a quad a all those if rant time the uh -oh. mlb does not need the mlb does not need a 40 round draft because they don't need 17 leagues below the MLB. Guess what? Every other league, every other insane sports league says, hey, we have the NBA, and then we have, like, the G League, which is not necessarily affiliated, and we have, like, the Australian League. Great. Go play. The NFL is like, we have the NFL, the practice squad, and you can go play in one of the various offshoot football leagues. 
one or two of those. Bang, easy. The NHL is like NHL, AHL, ECHL. Boom, or go play in Europe. However, the MLB is like, on top of other competitive sports leagues, like Korean baseball, which is a huge competitor, and the Dominican Republic, we're going to have, let's see, let's count off, MLB, AAA, AA, High A, Low A, and then, so there's seven leagues. There are seven, and then you have Cactus and Fall League. So there are seven leagues for you to play in. There's like between 20 and 30 teams in each league. Do we need, say it with me, what, what, what's, what's 30? So 30 each league. So three, so seven, 14. That's like 120 teams, dude. Do we need 120 baseball teams? No. Do we need 2,000 players every year for those baseball teams? Listen, I get it. Opportunities. But the difference between high A and low A is nothing. It, it's literally like you play a player who is slightly better. It's like if you're playing MLB The Show and you face an, an MLB pitcher who's 68 overall versus a 70 overall. You're not making much improvement. It, the, the difference between double A and triple A. Okay, that's harder. So we keep the MLB, obviously. We keep triple A, obviously. And keep double A. Okay, we don't need high A, low A, unless it's a development league and you put the teams in. I, like, I don't understand. Because you wouldn't need all those leagues if you didn't have 70,000 players entering the MLB. Not only from the draft, but also from free agent Interpol signings. Because you've got international pool, because you've got Dominican, you've got Korean, you've got um, Puerto Rican players, Cuban. You've got so many players who don't come over here in scout because they can't. I mean, look at all the players who get signed every year. I mean, I think Yon Moncada is a really good example of players who are better than their counterparts in the draft who are just going to have to sign because they don't have the opportunity to come here and scout. There are so many countries that, so you're talking about a full draft of three rounds, seven leagues, and then on top of that, Every country in the world sending baseball players. Do we need that many rounds? Could we not just simplify? Anyway. Yeah, baseball is not even, like... Intelligent? Well, baseball is not even, like, the top, like, league in America. You know what I mean? It's like, you would think, like, football would have, like, that many subdivisions because of just how much revenue it makes, how many people watch it. Not as many people really tune into baseball as football. Right. I mean, and for it being cool, sport... Not really. I love baseball, but I watch five regular season games a year. That's like opening day before the All-Star break and the final game. Of the um, yeah, I just watch playoffs. Yeah, and that's the problem is, and again, do we need 160 games? But that's for a different day. There's a lot of things about baseball that needs to be fixed. So now, I just ranted, but we're going to rant again. The MLB and the MLBPA are fucking stupid. So the MLBPA do you want to put your two cents in first before I rant? The amount of disrespect that players get, and not only the media, but by owners and by fans, drives me nuts. I don't know why people are always so quick to jump to the owner's side over the players when players only have like a finite amount of opportunities to make money. People are like, oh, uh, they're going to do a holdout. They don't want to play. Oh, they're making uh, millions of dollars. They shouldn't have opinions. Duh. It, it's, it's stupid. It drives me nuts. I'll never understand why people always seem to like, or people want to take the side of the owner over the players and then demonize players when baseball's a business and owners are very yeah. quick to cast off players that A, they signed to a really bad contract in the first place. B, or just go straight up get rid of them, or C, trade them because they don't need them anymore, or because they get 
some stupid offer that they think is worth trading the player for. I mean, and people are taking wrong. that mindset towards this. I mean, you're not wrong, and like baseball's business, it's just so stupid. Like I just because you've got minor leaguers being like nothing, making two hundred dollars a week, a thousand dollars a week. There's just not enough to cover expenses and their equipment that they have to buy themselves. You know, my big issue, and I'm gonna keep this fairly short, is the NLDPA is in the right here, in my opinion, because the players deserve more, but. They're also not doing anything with their offer. The MLB is just so stupid. Between the commissioner calling the trophy a piece of metal and the start of the offseason, which should have gotten him fired, because I hate Rob Manfred and he's ruining baseball, and between the owners not wanting to give up an inch and putting... They're going to find out when people don't come to games, when people don't go to your senior team play because there's other sports that are cheaper and better to watch. They're going to learn. Baseball has been in the decline for the past 20 years. They already have the most boring game, verifiably, in pro sports. And the only reason that baseball is still among the top contenders is because it's fun to play for people and there's a lot of opportunities. And globally, the stars are recognizable. But how long is that going to be for? If we keep getting into arguments like this with the MLB and the MLBPA, is it going to matter if players can't play it? Baseball's already lost the global marketing to soccer. Soccer's the world's game. Baseball isn't even the favorite of the United States anymore. You've got football, which I think football and basketball, they're probably close in standing. I, I don't know. I know basketball is pretty popular. I think basketball is probably a little bit higher, but maybe not much. But you've got those two going neck and neck. You've got so many things competing with you, including yourself now. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't make sense. And if I may, and I'm pretty sure we're going to end up soundbiting this, the MLB is a fucking joke. Listen, Rob, I'm saying, figure it the fuck out. Thoughts? Not really. Baseball is kind of losing its global appeal. I mean, for instance, I prefer watching World Cup soccer than baseball World Series. And I want to get into like actual soccer because I think it's just a a lot more fun. Well, the game's like a lot more interesting, I should say. It kind of reminds me of hockey a little bit. And also, I I was watching a game on ESPN too it was like uh it was like 2018 uh or was it 2016 it was like a UEFA championship between Portugal and France wait Portugal in the in the UEFA I think because you okay UEFA Champions League is teams so it's the best of the of like the sporting yeah that, that international was it like Benfica and Monaco I no it was literally the national teams I forget what the name of the championship was though it was like the first inaugural thing. I, yeah, I don't know. Because that, as you say, because UEFA is typically for Champions League and whatnot. Because I think UEFA is, well, I, I'm sure you're right. Because United was the United Emirates Football Association. But yeah, I don't know. But like you said, soccer is way more exciting. And do you quickly want to move to soccer before we wrap the show? Oh, I found it. UEFA Euro 2016 final. Oh, yeah, Euro. Yeah, so the Euro is like. Okay, so UEFA is basically like, so they have, the, there's two divisions. So you have, I think it's called the Copa Libertadores, which is like South America and stuff. And that's like their Champions League. And then UEFA has the Champions League in Europe. So it's like all the European teams. And then Euro is basically like the International Champions League. So it's like the in-between between your best clubs and your best international. Very interesting. So yeah. That's basically that. Just real quickly, we got a bunch of soccer returning. We got Premier League returning this month. Excited for that to see Liverpool potentially steal 
everything. A lot of talk of transfers are back. I'm very excited to see who gets transferred off. I'm pretty sure Serie A returns, so Italian football will be back. Obviously, Bundesliga is back. Fully but surely, we're getting back into it. Like I said, there wasn't a ton to talk about today. I think we had a good little conversation about the baseball. Do you want to wrap it there for today? Yep. All right, well, we'll be back next week. Try to get NHL draft talk and see what we can talk about next week because we should have some more hockey news. But until then, keep it locked and we'll be back.